So this really cool thing happened. And when I tell you about it, you're going to go, oh, yeah, yeah, I've heard that story before. I, I, I know that one. But it's a cool story. Here's how it goes. This guy died. And hundreds of people, probably thousands of people, watched it happen. And then, here's the really cool part. You ready for this? And then he came back to life. I mean, it's this incredible story. You've heard this one, right? You're like, yeah, 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 that was Easter. We already did that. What, what, what else you got, right? It's this story that we hear and we act like it's totally normal. A guy died and he came back to life. Like, really? You believe that? You have sucker written on your forehead? I mean, just be practical for a moment. So I have friends who have died. I have relatives who have died. So do you. We've all been to funerals. Here's what I know. Of all the people that I know who have died, exactly zero of them have come back to life. And if they did, by the way, I would freak out, right? But the Bible asks us to believe this pretty wild story. A guy died and he came back to life. For so many of us, we've heard it so many times over and over again. We act like it's normal and we just say it. It just rolls off the tongue. Jesus is risen. Jesus is risen. The empty tomb, right? We just talk about it like it's just normal and this stuff happens all the time. But it's a crazy story. Question for you. Is it ever okay to doubt that story? Is it ever okay to have doubts, to have questions about That story about God, about faith, about life, about the Bible. Is it okay to have questions or is Christianity? No, it's just sit down, shut up, behave, and believe what you're told to believe. Even if you've never seen anything like this before, that a guy who died rose from the dead. Just believe that. No questions. We're not allowed to have any doubts. Is that how it is? Today we're going to meet the disciple who had some questions. And he was willing to say what really everyone else was thinking and what you might be thinking. Like, hang on a minute. A guy died. Like, I, I watched it happen. And now you're telling me he's alive? Mm, I, I don't know about that. Today we're gonna look at doubt and talk about how doubt is a very real thing Now we're going to talk about what Jesus has to say when we have questions and when we have doubts. So if you've got a Bible with you, get it out, turn it on. John chapter 20 is where we're going to be. John chapter 20. We'd love for you to follow along in your Bible or if you have a Bible app on your phone. The story that we're going to look at today takes place a week after Easter. So Jesus of Nazareth died on a Friday. They crucified him. The Romans hung him on a cross. He died. They put his body into a tomb. And when his friends go to mourn at his graveside on Sunday morning, Jesus isn't there. So over the last week, he's been appearing in sort of some random place. He's been appearing to people that he knows, to his friends. And of course, they're super excited to see him. But one of his friends hasn't seen him yet. We're going to look at his story today. And my, my, sort of my goal, sort of my hope for today, just two things I want to talk about. I want to talk about how Jesus handles our doubts because Jesus hears our doubts. Jesus knows our questions. How does Jesus handle that? And then I want to talk about how we deal with doubt. So if we do those two things, I think we win. So here we go. John chapter 20, verse 24. This is the story. It says, now Thomas, Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the 12, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. 
So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. So a week earlier on Easter night, that evening, they're having dinner and Jesus appears to his disciples. And they're all there except for Thomas. Thomas ran to the grocery store to get milk or whatever Thomas is doing. And he he missed it. So he comes back and he walks in the door and all his buddies are like, oh man, you just missed Jesus. And he's like, what? What are you talking about? And so of course, he doesn't believe them. And so he responds to this idea, to this claim. He responds in disbelief, which he should. And he says, verse 25, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side. I will not believe. So historically, we've been really hard on Thomas. We call this guy Doubting Thomas because he goes, guys, hang on a minute. Like, I'm sorry. I was there when he died. We, we, we put his body in the grave. And now you're telling me you've seen him. Now you're telling me he's just up and walking around. I'm not sure. I mean, Is it really that crazy that Thomas would be like, I don't know if I believe this. His buddies say that their dead friend came over for dinner and he's like, I'm not, I'm not sure. I think that's pretty reasonable actually. I think we're really hard on Thomas. It turns out Thomas is actually a really committed follower of Christ. We we read about him a couple times in the gospels and what we find out is, yeah, he's super committed. So in John chapter 11, Jesus tells the guys, okay, I'm going to go over here. I'm I'm, I'm heading this direction. And Thomas is the first one who goes, yeah, let's go with him. We're going with you, Jesus. And if we have to die with you, so be it. We'll go and die with you. And Thomas actually, history says Thomas would die for following Jesus. Thomas took the gospel after Jesus' death. Thomas took the gospel to India. And so actually in the Indian church, he's like a hero. He's sainted there because he's the one who brought the gospel. And he would actually be martyred for Jesus for taking the gospel to India. So he's, he's kind of a hero in some circles. I think we're really hard on him. I think the truth is he just says what everyone else is thinking. Thomas is the guy who will just say what is going through everybody else's mind. So there's this other scene in John chapter 14. And Jesus says to his disciples, I'm going to my father's house. I'm going to prepare a room for you. And he says to them, you know the way to the place that I'm going. And they're all kind of like looking at each other and Thomas goes, Jesus, come here. Puts his arm around him and he's like, bro, no one has any idea what you're talking about right now. Like everyone's thinking it, but Thomas is the one who's willing to say it. So take it easy on Thomas. He has questions, but they're sort of legitimate. And he's the first one to say what everybody else is thinking. He just says these things out loud. So watch what happens. Verse 26, a week after this, a week later, Jesus' disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands? Reach out your hand. Put it into my side. Stop doubting. And believe. So really amazing how Jesus deals with Thomas. Is he harsh? No, not at all. He could have been like, Thomas, you idiot, get out of here. You don't believe in me? Then you don't get to hang out with us anymore. You don't get to be a part of this anymore. He could have quickly kicked him out, but it's not what he does, right? First, Jesus comes to Thomas. He makes a point of seeking out Thomas. In fact, As far as the text tells us, the only reason Jesus is there is to see Thomas. 
He comes there to see him specifically. And when he does, he invites Thomas. He goes, come here, touch my hands. Look at my side, feel my side. And what I find so fascinating about this scene is Jesus is never one to prove himself. So when Jesus is alive and he's on the earth, he's not walking around proving himself. He's not trying to do things to show people who he is. He's like, look, if you want to believe in me, great. If you want to follow me, awesome. I'm the way and the truth and the life, but I'm not going to force that on you. Jesus isn't the guy that is always sliding his resume across the table like, you know who I am? It's just not who he is. If you and I come back from the dead, are we playing it cool? Are we taking it easy? Not a chance, right? If I'm Jesus, I'm rolling into the synagogue like, hey, how about this? Told you. You know, Pontius Pilate, how you like me now? Mic drop, you know, like I'm bragging about this. Not Jesus. He's not arrogant. He's not out to prove himself. And yet he shows up to Thomas. I find it interesting. It shows me something about Thomas, but it shows me something more about Jesus. It shows me that Thomas is humble. Thomas's attitude is not like, no, no, unless I see Jesus, unless Jesus shows up and shows me who he is, I'm not believing it. That's not his attitude. Thomas is humble and he's like, look, I just, I have questions. I have doubts. You guys are telling me that our friend who I watched die, he came back from the dead. I don't have a category for that. And so he just has sort of these honest, sincere kind of questions. But this whole scene tells me more about Jesus. We make the story about Thomas, but it's really about Jesus. It tells me that Jesus isn't afraid. He's not afraid of our doubts. In fact, he invites our questions. He doesn't go, Thomas, you're pathetic. Really? You followed me around for all those years, and this is how weak your faith is? He doesn't do that to him. He goes, Thomas, come here, Tommy. Come here, let's talk. He pulls him over to the side. He goes, hey, look. Look at my hands. Remember, you saw me. I was nailed to a cross. Remember, they drove stakes through my hands. Remember that? I got holes there still. You could see them. Look right through them. Hi, Tom. How you doing? Like, you got holes right here. Touch them, Thomas. It was my side. Remember when that Roman guard stabbed me to see if I was still alive? Look, there's a hole there. It's, it's healed up, but there's a scar. Touch it. Come on. Feel it, Thomas. Touch it. It's, it's, it's me, right? He doesn't come in and crush Thomas. He doesn't go, your doubts, your questions are totally unacceptable. No, he, he invites them. He goes, listen, bring me your doubts. And it aligns so well with what John has been showing us about Jesus for 20 chapters. That Jesus is gentle. Jesus isn't arrogant. He's not demanding. He doesn't dismiss people when they have a little bit of skepticism or doubt. He's so gentle that he welcomes people. He could have easily turned this around on Thomas. Been like, you're no better than Judas. You don't believe in me? But he doesn't. He goes, bring me your doubts, Thomas. Come on, bring me all your questions. But now watch what happens. Because Jesus switches gears at just whiplash speed, just at breakneck speed. He changes gears because, and we're going to too, because he goes, here's the invitation. Bring me your doubts. Bring me your questions. And then he switches so fast. And he just, to Thomas, he says to him, stop doubting and believe. He says, I'm okay with your doubts. I'm not going to throw you out because you have questions, but stop 
doubting and believe. I find this interesting. Is it that simple? Stop doubting. Just stop doubting and believe. Just stop doubting. Everything, Thomas, that you know to be true, that when a person is dead, they're dead. Just stop doubting that and believe. Is it that easy just to stop doubting? Stop doubting and, and, and believe that God is good. Stop, just stop doubting. Stop doubting and believe that he's in control and everything's going to be okay. Just stop. Like it's just, it feels too, I don't know, like, okay, Jesus, that's a little simple, right? It's like you would never walk up to a person and go, hey, stop being depressed. And they're like, oh, well, that fixes everything. Thank you. Right? Like, what's your problem? Stop having an eating disorder. Stop being an addict. Oh, okay, now that you say it, you know what? Now I'll stop. It's like, it's not that simple. Just stop doubting and believe, really? So walk into this story. Put yourself in this story. Go to a place, a time, where you were having doubts and questions. You were starting to wonder, is God really for me? Is everything really going to be okay? Go to that place. Maybe it's something small. Maybe it's something big when you started to have questions. So 2009, my wife and I are sitting in a doctor's office, and he tells us that we're not going to be able to have, likely not going to be able to have children. Nicole is crushed. I'm furious. I'm looking for someone to blame. We just react differently to these things. We had wanted to start a family. At that point, we had wanted to start a family for years. And now someone tells us, yeah, that dream that you have, it's not going to happen. Is that, is that easy in that moment? Just stop doubting and believe. I mean, it's just been, the rug's just been pulled out from underneath you, but it's just stop doubting and believe. Stop doubting that God has a plan for your life. Stop doubting. Even though the thing that you want so badly you can't have, stop doubting that God is still good. Stop doubting that God is fighting for you. Stop doubting that everything is going to be okay. Is it that simple? When, you know, you have some relationship and it ends, you thought you'd be with that person forever. Is is it that simple just to go, stop doubting that everything is going to be okay? Just believe. When you lose a loved one or you don't get some job that you really needed, is it simple enough? Just stop doubting. Believe that God wants good things for you. Don't doubt. Believe that everything is going to be okay. I mean, honestly, I read this and I go, ooh, ooh. this is uncomfortable, Jesus. I don't, I don't know about this. You're asking Thomas to believe that everything he knows about life and death isn't true anymore because there's a dead guy standing right in front of him that's not dead anymore. I don't know, Jesus. You're asking us to believe that you, you want good things for us and that you're good when we're in the middle of something that feels horrible. I, I, I don't know. Just stop doubting and believe. Is it that easy? Thomas said to him, verse 28, Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. So here's what Jesus has said so far. It's okay to have doubts and questions. In fact, he goes, bring them to me. 
I can handle them, bring them to me. But once you bring them to me, you leave them with me, right? You don't get to go and keep doubting. You bring me your doubts, you bring me your questions, and then you stop doubting because you leave them with me and, and, and you believe in me. And if that's not hard enough, he goes one step further. And he tells Thomas, he says, you believe because you've seen me. He says, blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Who's he talking about? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Who's Jesus talking about? He's talking about you and me. I mean, this is one of those passages in the Bible. This is one of those things that Jesus says, this is for you. This, this is written for you and for me. Blessed are those who have not seen me and yet have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen Jesus with their own eyes and yet believe that God raised him from the dead. Blessed are those who have not seen Jesus but believe that he's on your side. Blessed are those who have not seen into the future, but believe if God is in control, that everything's gonna be okay. Blessed are those who haven't seen what Jesus is doing behind the scenes, but believe that he wants good things for them. Blessed are those who believe that God could do something incredible through a pandemic or through a broken relationship or through your failure. Whoa, like that's, that's pretty hard. I don't know, for you, maybe you go, oh, it's easy for me, I don't really have any doubts, fine. This is hard for me, like to believe something that I can't see, to believe in someone that I can't touch and see and, and hear. Jesus says, blessed are those who have not seen. I mean, it's hard for Thomas and Jesus is standing right in front of him. How much harder for us to believe if we haven't seen? You know, it's really hard to believe that God wants good things for you when you find out that, you know, you want kids so badly, you want to start a family and you find out it's not going to happen. Do you know how hard that is to believe that God wants good things for you? It's really hard to believe that Jesus is good, that God is on your side when you get passed over for some promotion at work that you deserve, but you know because of your gender, because of your age, because of your skin color, you didn't get that. It's really hard to believe that God is this just God who, who wants good things for you, who's fighting for you. It's really hard to believe that everything's gonna be okay when tragedy strikes your family, when sickness or death strikes your home. It's really hard to just believe that everything's gonna be okay. I mean, we're just, just name it, just call it what it is. Be, we're being like Thomas a little bit and going, hey, fine, we'll say what everybody's thinking. Jesus, you want me to believe in something I've never seen. It's really hard. Like, I'm doing my best here, but man, it is really hard. I can't see into the future. I don't know that everything's going to be okay. God, I don't know that you're working things out for good. 
Don't you have doubts? Don't you have questions? I know for some of you, you hear this and you go like, I don't know if we should talk like this in church. It's okay. Like Jesus can handle this. It's uncomfortable, but Jesus can handle our doubt. Let's figure out what we do with it. How do we turn doubt into belief? If you've got your Bible, turn to Hebrews chapter 3. Just go a little bit to the right, Hebrews chapter 3. I mean, just think to yourself for a minute, what would cure all your doubts? What could happen that would make you go, okay, now I'm good. I'm totally comfortable. I'm totally at peace knowing that, okay, God, is, God has got this. Everything's going to be okay. God is totally in control. Like, what would it be that would, like, make everything fine? Like, if God could, maybe if God could give you a little sign. Like, God, just show me, just, just give me a little something. Show me a little sign. If he could just, I've always thought, if he could just open, just peel back the sky a little bit. Just let me see in there a little bit so I can see what Jesus is up to in there. Because he tells me he's doing good things. Let me, let me see. What would it be? They say seeing is believing, right? I don't know. Most of the people that saw Jesus with their very own eyes are the same ones that shouted crucify at his trial. I'm not sure seeing helps us, but listen to this. Hebrews 3 verse 7. So as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you hear God's voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion during the times of testing in the wilderness where your ancestors tried me, though for 40 years they saw what I did. This passage is talking about the Israelites who were led by Moses. They wandered in the desert, in the wilderness for 40 years because they rebelled against God. They did not believe they could trust him. Yet for 40 days, every day, six, six days a week, when the Israelites got up in the morning and they went, hmm, we're in the middle of the desert. What are we going to do for food? Every day, God made them breakfast. It was just waiting for them. They went outside of their tents and he had dropped manna from heaven and it was just there waiting for them. Every day, this same group of people watched as God split a sea. So they could walk through. He literally parted waves. He held back water so that they could, millions of them could walk through on dry land. This is the God who gave them food, who gave them water, who op opened a sea, right? All these things. He, God literally led them. He be became a pillar of fire in the night sky to lead the Israelites. All they had to do was go, oh, gee, fire and just follow it. That's all they had to do. And they're like, no, we, we don't know if we can trust this guy. We're just not sure we can believe in him. I mean, they had seen everything, but seeing isn't believing. There's nothing that God could do that would make us go, oh, oh, now I believe. It's just not how it works. The Israelites had seen all these crazy, incredible things, but seeing is not enough. If, if you're waiting for God to like show you something, God, if you'll just show me something, then I'll trust you. It doesn't. It doesn't work that way. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. But notice that God doesn't call us to dumb faith either. It's not just dumb sort of blind faith, right? He doesn't call us to be ignorant. We don't believe in God or believe that he's loving or believe that he raised Jesus from the dead because we're fools. And God would never ask us that. We believe God because he's been faithful. We, we believe and trust God because he has been faithful. We, we look at God's track record, right? We look at a history. And that's what God is asking us to do. That's what, he's, that's what he asked of the Israelites. Hey, listen, 
I provided for you every day for 40 years. Do you think you could trust me? God's like, I'm asking you to believe that I raised Jesus from the dead, not out of just dumb, blind faith. I'm asking you to believe because, well, frankly, I've done everything else that I said I was going to do. So I think that you could trust me. I love that. He doesn't tell us not to have doubts. He doesn't tell us that we can't have questions. And God doesn't tell us that we should just ignore logical questions. Just bury your head in the sand and listen, just shut up and behave like good little boys and girls and believe. No, that's not what God says. God goes, look at our history together. You want to know whether you can trust me? Have I been faithful? Look at our history together. So the writer of Hebrews goes on and says in verse 12, See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. An unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. God goes, you have doubts? You have questions? Don't turn away from me. Run towards me. Let's deal with it. Bring me your doubts. Bring me your questions. We can talk about it. We can work through it. Let me help you. He doesn't bury our doubts and go, no, no, just behave. Just let's go. Just get along with the program here. It's not who God is. God goes, look at, look at our track record. Based on our history together, Israel, for 40 years, I was faithful to you. Would you trust me? And each of us, in the same way, we can look back and we can look at the track record that God has with us how he's worked in our lives. And we can draw on that. And God's not saying, believe in me. Believe in this wild story that I raised Jesus from the dead. He's not saying, do that because you're gullible. Because I think you're foolish. Because I think you're too smart to figure out what really happened. He's saying, no. We have a history together. Look at my track record. And trust me. Trust that I've proven myself faithful. So, in real terms, what does it mean for us? Just super practical, what does it mean? It means that doubt is real, right? It means that questions are real, that each and every one of us wrestles with doubt and anxiety and worry. It impacts all of us. And so what do we do with it? We go back to what we know is true about God. When we have doubts and we have questions, we go back to what we know is true. So in our house, we ask this question. We ask, has God been faithful up to this point? I mean, we, we've had this conversation in our family so many times. Has God been faithful up to this point? And it causes us to look back. So just like Jesus says to Thomas, hey, Thomas, you know me. Thomas, touch my hands. Thomas, feel my side. You know me, Thomas. It's me. You can trust me. In the same way, when we ask this question, has God been faithful? It's like God is going, hey, you know me. You can trust me. You know who I am. We have a history together. The idea that Christians are just following blindly, that we've been brainwashed. No way. I'm a skeptic. I know how crazy it sounds to believe that God raised Jesus from the dead. I know it's nuts to follow a God that I can't see, that I can't touch. I get it, but I look at all the evidence and I bring it together and what I see is a faithful God 
who lets me bring my doubts and my questions all day long. And I don't have to wait for him to give me a magical sign that I can trust him because I have a track record with him. And you know the thing about doubt is there's some, there's some level of tension in this conversation, even in this passage. Because the thing about doubt is that everything's not going to be resolved in this life, right? You often hear people, as you're going through something hard, they go, just wait, you're going to see God had a perfect plan for this. You know what? You might not ever see that. You might walk through something really hard and God might have this seemingly perfect ending that you desired to it, or he might not. And this side of eternity, we have to be okay with that tension that God might not solve all our problems the way we think he should. There's just an unresolved thing here. And yet we can look at God's history and his track record and we go, he has always been faithful. So I'll get you out of here on this. If you're struggling with doubt right now, you're struggling with anxiety, you have doubt about the future, you have doubt about a relationship, You have doubt about, is everything going to be okay? You're you're doubting, is God still on your side? What do you do? There's something that actually you can do right now. Not my words, God's words. Listen to this. Romans 10 verse 17 says, faith comes from hearing the message. And the message is heard through the word about Christ. That's saying that seeing is believing is wrong. Hearing is believing. The mechanism to deal with our doubt is not our eyes and what we see, it's our ears and what we hear. You want to deal with your doubt? You want to deal with your anxiety? Open your Bible. Listen to God's words. I'm not saying it's a magical like wand that just gets spread across your life. It's not a cure-all, but open your Bible. Listen to the words that God speaks to you. Look at his track record. Hearing builds faith. Hearing is believing. So you have doubts and you have questions. Okay, God goes, it's all right. Bring them to me and open the Bible and listen to the stories of his faithfulness and and think about the stories of God's faithfulness in your life and the life of people that you know. My challenge to you today, my encouragement for you today is if you're living in doubt and fear, Stop doubting. Stop doubting and believe. I mean, not my words, Jesus' words. Stop doubting and believe in the God who is faithful and has the power to raise Jesus from the dead. Pray with me. Our Father and our God, you're really good. You don't throw us out when we have doubts, when we have questions. You don't tell us just to sit down and shut up and believe. You invite our doubts, our questions. You you can handle them. Thank you for being so gentle and gracious with us. God, would you help us through our doubts? Would you help us to Surrender our worry and our anxiety to you. God, we, we're worried about the future. We're worried about whether 
It's all gonna be okay. We're worried about if you're, if you're still on our side. God, there are people listening who they're really in a tough spot and they're wondering, do you still have a plan? Are you still on their side? God, do you still remember that they even exist? Right now, by the power of your spirit, would you help us to surrender all of our doubt? We can actually, because of Jesus, we can leave it here right now in this moment and we can walk in freedom, not in shame, not in doubt, but in freedom. We can believe, we can trust you and it's really hard, God. This is super uncomfortable to to walk out on that sort of wire of faith and just feel like, okay, we're not gonna doubt. We're gonna believe in you, God. We're gonna fix our eyes only on you. God, help us. Right now, in this moment, help us surrender our doubts and our fears. And as we Go today and this week, help us to walk in freedom. Help us to believe. Yeah, it's crazy some of the stories that you asked us to believe that you raised a guy from the dead. It doesn't make any sense, but God, you've done everything that you said you would do. So we believe you. We trust you. Your track record is perfect. You are a faithful God. So we'll stop doubting and we'll believe. We'll pray all these things in the name of Jesus, who raised from the dead. Amen.